Folks, you know, last Sunday we were finishing up our series uh, in Second Peter. And the final section of Second Peter, chapter 3, talks about really understanding the f- future hope that we have in Christ. Because that's one of the threats we have is to our faith is not understanding our hope that Jesus will come back. And as we concluded that message, Peter is very much wanting you to realize that because everything's going to burn up, ultimately, that we need to live our lives in such a way right now in preparation for that future. So because I knew that we were going to be hitting that section in Peter, I was prayerfully considering, God, what do you want me to do after we're done with that series? And my mind came to chapter 24 and chapter 25 of Matthew. It is the words of Jesus to his disciples about what's going to come. And you're like, oh, wow, we're going to do a series on the end times, George. Well, no, we're going to talk about the end times a little bit. But actually, when you read those two chapters, most of it is spent by Jesus talking about how you need to live in light of it coming. How we need to live now. Because I'll be honest with you, I've been a believer now since 1985. Back in those earlier years of my Christian life, I could talk, I can tell you there was not a time when a year wouldn't go by that you didn't have some sort of prophecy conference or some sort of prophecy teaching to tell you all the details of what's going to happen. You guys remember those kind of times? Remember those kind of services and so forth? Yeah. What's going to happen? And then we could get the details down. And through the years, there's been all kinds of resources. What do you mean all kinds of resources? Well, we've even had all kinds of fiction that are written. Notice I word said to use fiction. So how many of you have heard of the Left Behind series? Okay. That almost became very popular and people read that to know what's going to happen. I just remember, need to remind you, it's fiction based on biblical truths. But in everybody's mind, they've got it all figured out. And what I've noticed through the years is, is that there's been kind of a laziness that has crept in among God's people about the end. And it's like, we've just got to wait. He's going to take us out of here before it gets really bad. But then guess what happens? We kind of forget that. You know, how many of you have heard of a prophecy conference lately? Maybe on the TV, but not really much in our teaching anymore at all. And we're like, well, that's okay. But yet we see things that are happening around us that disturb us, that bother us. And we're like, what's going on? Are we in the midst of, you might hear somebody say, we're in the midst of the tribulation now. Because where's the rapture? And so people kind of have forgotten where we are, what's supposed to happen, and how we're to live right now. And so I think that's why we're here at Matthew 24 and 25. And I'm going to approach it differently. I'm not so much worried about you knowing the details, although we're going to talk about details. But we're worried about what Jesus said about how you are to live right now. How you are to be ready right now for whatever might happen. How you are to live. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what could take place and when it could take place. 
because things change so rapidly. You know, I'm reminded in 1989, when I was in school, I spent the summer in Kenya, East Africa. And I was working with a missionary there, plus I was working with another guy from Liberty who was starting a youth ministry there, and we both roomed together. And we had this argument about how God can change different things. And at that time, in the summer of 1989, there was still something called the Soviet Union. You guys know who the Soviet Union is? That was communist Russia. And at that time, in the summer of 1989, there was West and East Berlin. And what separated West and East Berlin was a Berlin Wall. How many of you have ever heard? Younger, younger people like, what? I just think I heard about that in history. Older people know what I'm talking about. And I remember we were arguing, and I made a point to him, and I said to him that God can change anything at any time just like that. And I said to him in the summer of 89, I said, you know, he could take the wall down tomorrow. And he said, oh, no, he can't. Three months later, guess what we were looking at on the news? The wall coming down. They were tearing it down themselves. God can change anything. What's my point? Jesus said he would come as a what? Thief in the night. We don't know when that is. But you and I are called not to worry about the details, but to live our lives in what? Preparation for it. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to start off in Matthew. We're going to look at uh, the first eight verses. But before we look at the first eight verses, I do want to discuss something that I think is very prevalent among us. I'm calling it informed ignorance. Informed ignorance. Now you're like, well, George, that's an oxymoron. What in the world's informed ignorance? Ignorance means you don't know anything. How can you be ignorant but yet informed? Well, you can be in light of the end time things in our churches. Here's two points I want to make, first of all. Number one about this informed ignorance. Believers understand the basic events concerning the second coming. Most people understand basic things about the second coming. They understand that Jesus is going to come back. and When he comes back, he's going to set everything right. We understand that there is an antichrist. We understand that there's even probably a period of trouble that's called the, the tribulation. We even understand that there's supposed to be a rapture in which the church is taken away in the midst of that. And so basically all believers in a North America, if you go to any kind of Bible-believing church, you've got the basics down. Now you're maybe not thinking about them every day, Although there are some people, you've ever met somebody who's like really into it. But that's not you. You've got the basics down. So you're informed. Now here's the problem. Yet in spite of this understanding, there's still confusion. In spite of this understanding of the basics, there's still confusion. What do you mean there's still confusion, George? Well, let's just kind of remember. Guys, do you remember just a few years ago there was a guy who said that Jesus was going to come back, I think it was 2012 or 2013, and, and there was a guy living down in Puxy. He had his car all covered up in the doomsday sayings about what was coming in May, and so May came and went, and we're still here. Do you remember that? 
People quit their job and drove to visit some preacher down in California because they were waiting for Jesus to come back. Yeah, do you remember that? It's come and gone, right? And, and you're like, how did they get confused? You'd be surprised. There's a lot of people that are confused. I've met good Christians and, you know, they'll buy some book, like, let's talk about the Harbinger book. Maybe you read that. I would encourage you not to. Why? Because that book talks about how America is in the book of Isaiah. No, it isn't. America's not in the book of Isaiah. Israel is in the book of Isaiah. The two towers is not. And just because somebody had a dream, don't buy their book. Or you're watching TV and some guy's talking to you about blood moons. Wonderful. Is that like a blue moon? It's not in the Bible. In fact, it tells you in the Bible to not worry about moons and myths from Jewish sources. But yet so many Christians, they know the basics, but yet they're confused by everything that's going on. That's informed ignorance. That's why we're doing this series. Because Jesus is calling us to live a certain way. So let's keep it all in perspective. Today we're going to look at the first eight verses. And it's very interesting. Let's look at them together. Starts off, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be overthrown. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Let's take a look at this, folks. We're going to see a couple of things here. First of all, we're going to see, really, it's basically two natural sections here. It's Jesus talking about the temple, and then from that, Jesus launching into some further teaching. Okay? So let's set it up first. We're going to talk about Jesus not being impressed, not being impressed, and then we're going to look at the present reality. Present reality. Next week when we look at this passage, we're going to see about the future reality. Okay? But let's talk about the present reality right now. But before that, we need to talk about what Jesus is not impressed with. Let's notice what it says here. It says, his disciples, verse 1, came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down couple things, three things I want you to see here. First of all, the disciples were impressed with the achievements of this world. So here's what's going on. Jesus is getting ready to launch into a, some teaching here 
Matthew is showing us, but he's setting it up for you and I. He's setting it up with the occasion for the teaching, that being Jesus teaching in the temple. They're leaving the temple. The disciples come. They're good Jewish disciples. They're excited. They're prideful for their nation. They're prideful for the temple. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, isn't this awesome? Look at our temple. And it was spectacular. Herod's temple was not like Solomon's temple, but it looked good. It was a source of Jewish pride. And it represented their faith in God. And so they're like saying, they're, they're, they're kind of like, check it out, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? And so they're taking pride in what's happening now what their achievements are now. And we think that God's impressed with that. Isn't that how we operate in our lives? We put so much focus in now. How's my house look? What kind of car am I driving? How big's my bank account? How big's my retirement account? Am I going to survive the next economic crash? I think I am. I'm handling it, saving, living frugally, doing what I can. That's where our focus is. Did I get the promotion? Am I trying to achieve this? I think I found where that big buck is. Those are the things that we focus on, right? Jesus isn't impressed by that. How do we know that? Look at what he says to them. He, you know, they're sitting there. I mean, think about this. They had to be blown away. They had to be blown away because all they're doing is saying, Jesus, look at how wonderful these buildings are. Jesus is like, look at what he says, verse 2. Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another, and it shall not be thrown down. It's all going to burn up, guys. Think about that for a moment, okay? You know, like my, my wife keeps our house very good. And she, she has projects, and, and, you know, we just put new flooring in. And so when she comes over, she'll, she'll say, hey, check out our new floor. I'm even doing that. Check out our new floor. And, and you come over, and they're like, wow, it looks really nice compared to what you had before, George. What if you said to me when I told you that, yeah, but it's going to go burn up? What? That's like, are you, are you insulting me? Why don't we just put money in this? It looks good. And you're like, it's all going to burn up. Isn't that what Jesus is doing here? He's saying to these guys, yeah, I see all your fabulous buildings here, but I'm telling you, the time's coming when not one stone will be set upon another. And folks, let's be honest. You go to there today, is there a stone standing on another stone there? No, it's all gone. He's bringing it back to reality. He's not impressed with the stuff that we're focused on in our lives. Because remember, we talked about that last week. When we talk about what Peter was saying, because remember, Peter's there right now with Jesus. He's hearing the lesson. We're distracted by the things now because there's something else coming that's very real. And you need to live in light of that. That's what Jesus, the point Jesus is making here. And so what we see here is that the disciples were impressed with the achievements of the world, but here's what I want you to see. Jesus informs them of reality. He just brings it right back. Get a grip, folks. There's more to this life than right now. 
There's more to this life than what you're achieving. There's more to this life than what you have built. There's more to this life than what you think is important. Everything is moving to something. And it's moving to me coming back. That's what he's saying here. It's moving to the end of the world. And everything will be gone. And the question is, is are you ready for it? Are you living for it? That it had to shock them, wouldn't it? It would shock you if somebody came in your house and you said, oh, look at this. Look at the buck I killed. Yeah, but it's all going to burn up. That had to shock you. That had to shock them. So here's what they do. They Obviously, they leave the temple. They go up to the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, where they would normally go and Jesus would do some teaching. And then privately, they go to him and they're like, okay, so what's going to happen? So this is my third point I want you to see here, that he's not impressed. It's a human test- tendency to want to know the future. Human tendency to want to know the future, right? That's our tendency. We want to know the future. And that's what they're doing here. If you look, it says... Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. In fact, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. If you go over to Acts, right before he ascends, they're asking the same question. When will you establish your kingdom? I remember when I got saved, 1985, April of 1985, the very first Christian book I read, I can remember what it talked about. It was from Radio Bible Class. How do we know Radio Bible Class? That's the folks who produced the Our Daily Breads. And it was a book by Radio Bible Class, are you ready for this, on the rapture. I was just saved. I didn't know anything. All I knew was is Jesus was coming back for me. I needed to know about that. So I read a book in one night on the rapture. Why? Because we have that tendency. We want to know What's going to happen? I've seen that all the time with people who come to Christ. They want to know what the future holds. That's our natural tendency. Because Jesus wants us to live with that expectation. So here's what he does now. He's going to talk about the way things are right now. To keep it in perspective now before he points out what the future is going to be. And that's where verses 4 through 8 come in. So look with me at verse 4 through 8 again, okay? And Jesus answered and said to him, them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors and wars, and you will see, see that you are not troubled, For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Underline that in your own Bible if you want to. But the end is not yet. Okay, listen. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. For all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Now the New King James says sorrows. The actual translation is birth pains. Birth pains. I'll explain that here in a moment. Okay? Let's talk about this, the present reality. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, Jesus is wanting you to understand what's going on around you. 
Because here's what happens. We look at what's going on around us and we start getting freaked out about what's going on and we start thinking, the end is near, he's coming back, he's coming back. No, 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 he's helping you to have a perspective here. Let's look at it. Three things I want you to see here, okay? Three things about present reality. Here's the first one. There are many false teachers that seek to deceive you concerning Jesus. That's reality. He's telling you, be careful that you're not deceived. Because there are going to be people showing up, giving you wrong teaching about me. In fact, some of them are going to show up and tell you that they are me. We've had that happen throughout history, haven't we? It's interesting. 1987, uh, I was in between the University of South Carolina, deciding not to be an engineer, and before I went to uh, Liberty to decide to study ministry, I was working for the airlines at that time. I was a uh, bag crusher. It's called a ramp agent. Uh, it's the guy who crushes your bags. Okay, and so you, in between the time of the planes coming in and out, we would be in our break room, and and there would always be newspapers there. What do you mean newspapers? Well, you have to clean off the airplane. What do people carry on an airplane? Typically, a newspaper. And so we didn't have to buy newspapers. We just took the newspapers people left, and we were reading them. And and, and so it was. Here it is, January 1987. I was reading a USA Today, and. There was this full-page ad. Now, let's stop for a moment. Advertising in the USA Today, is that expensive? Because that goes out where, folks? The whole country and the world, okay? Now, would you say it's a pretty expensive ad to put a full-page ad in? So there's this full-page ad from 1987. Let me read to you what it says, okay? Drugs, now this is from 1987. If you're from 87, you know these were the issues we were struggling with back then. We're still struggling with them today. Drugs, AIDS, poverty, rampant crime, mass starvation, nuclear threat, terrorism. Anything change? Okay. Is there a solution? In answer to our urgent need, this is what struck me to read this. Christ is in the world. I thought, oh, wow, this is a Christian ad. Yeah, but read on a little bit. A great world teacher for people of every religion and no religion. Whoa, wait a minute, that's wrong. A practical man with solutions to our problems. He loves all humanity. What is he saying? Well, then he's got some quotes here. These are not from the Bible. The problems of mankind are real but solvable. The solution lies within our grasp. Take your brother's need as a measure of your action. Solve the problems of the world. The answer to your problems are simple indeed. Without sharing and justice, man will know no peace. Trust in sharing to relieve the agony of the world. Here it is. Allow me to show you the way forward to a broader, simpler life where no one lacks. Where two days are where no two days are alike, where the joy of brotherhood manifests through all men. When will we see him, this ad says. It is my intention to reveal myself at the earliest possible moment 
to come before the world as your friend and teacher. Wow. When you see and hear me, you will realize that you have known for long the truths which I utter. Sharing in justice, brotherhood, and freedom are not new concepts. From the dawn of time, mankind is linked to his aspiration, to these beckoning stars. Now, my friends, we shall anchor them in the worlds. Christ is here, my friends. Your brother walks among you. And it's from some weird group in Hollywood, California. Hollywood. All right, what, what is this? Folks, this is what Jesus is warning you about in Matthew. This is 30 years ago. 32 years ago. What's going on here? Actually, there's been more things like this since then. You and I live in a world where you have this going on around you. There, Jesus says, Right now are many false teachers that will seek to deceive you. Here's the next, next thing that Jesus points out. Look at the second thing there. There will be a struggle with war, disease, famine, and natural disasters. From the very beginning, Jesus said, look, you're going to hear, look at what he says. I'll, I'll read you what he says. We will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Wow. Isn't that yesterday's news? What do you mean yesterday, George? It's today's news, isn't it? A day doesn't go by that somebody's not killing somebody somewhere in the name of their righteous cause, in their name of freeing the oppressed, in their name of overcoming the oppressor. Wars and rumors of wars. Has there been a time that we can think of where there's been peace that's long-lasting? No, not at all. And natural disasters, they happen all the time, don't they? Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, famines, drought, disease, pestilence. All of it is a part of our lives. And we struggle against it continually. But here's what happens. Remember I told you we, we have an informed ignorance, don't we? What happens is, is that all of a sudden we wake up to the reality that these things are going on around us and we think, well, Jesus must be coming back. It's never been like this before. Folks, it's been like this every day of human history. And it's going to be until he comes back. See, this is the present reality. The things that bother us. But notice what he says here. Look at what he says. See that you are not troubled. But boy, we are troubled, aren't we? I mean, how many of you can remember that? I can remember this. Maybe I was stupid as a kid, but I can remember 
back when the so remember I mentioned the Soviet Union. Okay, remember the Soviet Union? I I, I can remember back in the seventies being a kid and listening to the news, and you're always hearing about the nuclear threat. And remembering one night when I didn't sleep because I was worried about bombers coming and dropping bombs. But don't we get it worked up like that? There will be a struggle with war. That's the present reality. There will be struggle with war, disease, famine, and natural disasters. But there's a third thing Jesus says here that you need to understand, and I think every lady here who's ever had a baby will understand it. What do you mean? Look at what he says here, okay? In verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Actually, the translations are, all these are the beginning of birth pangs. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, birth pangs, birth pangs, what in the world is that? Well, we have a technical term for that, uh, ladies. I think it's called Braxton Hicks contractions, right? What are those? Those are the contractions you experience in preparation of your body for what? Giving birth. It's just a sign of what? What's coming. See, this is what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus points out that these things tell us that the end is near. This is what you need to understand. See, you have your facts down. You understand Jesus is coming back. But the confusion is, is we see all this chaos in the world. We see all of these deceivers who are showing up and telling us that Jesus is this. Jesus is here. I am Jesus. And Jesus is saying, look, folks, that's just reality. And they're all pointing to one thing, that the end is coming. It's not here yet. The end is coming. It's coming. So when the economy collapses, it's not the end, but it's coming. When wars happen, it's not the end, but the end is coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not here yet. He's wanting you to be ready to live now because it's coming. See, that's the point here. Jesus points out that these things tell us that the end is near. That's the final point here. The end is near. So listen, here's what you need to grasp. You don't need to get freaked out. What do you mean don't get freaked out, George? The things that are happening are terrible. Yes, I understand they're terrible. And yes, you may know somebody who's in the midst of it. And yes, you may know somebody who's been affected by these things. And, and the fact of the matter is, yes, but they're all part of history. And they're part of our present reality. But what they're doing is, is they're helping you to see that something even more devastating is coming. These are just the beginning. So live for him now. Live for him now. So what do we do with this? I got two thoughts for you, okay? Two thoughts. Here's the first one. It's time to move beyond the confusion. It's time to move beyond the confusion. I mean, every one of us here would say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. 
He's going to set everything right. Yes, we all would agree with that. But what happens is, is that for a lot of us, we are living in confusion. What do you mean? We are listening to the words of men rather than the words of Scripture. And maybe just be honest with you folks, the words of men will always try to take current events and wrap them in some kind of spiritual language to help you to consider their point when the reality is is the Bible doesn't talk about that. So what do we do? We get back to the Bible. We get back to what Jesus tells us we should do. And look, in this section that we looked at, he told us a couple of things already. Look at what he says here. Remember, I already told you that to underline a couple of phrases here. Number one, see that you are not troubled. That's verse six. Underline that. When all these crazy things are happening and they're telling you the polar ice caps and this is going to be lake whatever out here soon because the ocean's coming up. Listen, don't be troubled by that. Don't be troubled by what's going on in the world. Jesus told you to expect it, didn't he? Look, let's just go on. Don't be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He already told you that. Verse 6, verse 7. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. It's time for us to move beyond the confusion and live our lives now. Listen, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. In my lifetime, everybody has been identified as the Antichrist. What do you mean? Well, let's see. When I was young, it was Ronald Reagan. Why? Because there was an assassination attempt that he survived. It was Pope John Paul II. He's dead now, you know. How many of you remember Saddam Hussein? He was supposed to be the Antichrist too. And the list goes on and on. This is the reality we live in, right? We've got to move beyond the confusion. Time to move beyond the confusion. Here's the second one. This requires more from us than knowing the details of the second coming. Let me explain what I'm saying here. All right, so this is what our series is about. Our series is about living for the future now. Okay? That's what we're talking about with this series. That's what Matthew chapter 24 and 25 are about. It's about living for the future now. Now, what that means, though, if you're going to live for the future now, it's going to require something more than you knowing details of prophecy. And let me be honest with you folks, there are a lot of people out there that know a lot of details and they can chuck them down like they shuck down corn and they can really tell you everything and when this is happening, how this is happening, what prophecy is this. I'm going to be honest with you, that's wonderful, that's great, and you can know that and that would be meaningless. Because that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Because remember, I like to keep everything in perspective. The Jews knew all the details about the Messiah, and you remember when the three wise men, the Magi, showed up, and they're here looking for the king, 
And they said to Herod, where's the king? And the king says, oh, I'll, I'll talk to my wise men, my scribes and stuff. And they said, where? In Bethlehem. They knew the answer. They just weren't what, folks? Looking for the answer. Looking for Jesus to show up. See, it's the same thing here. You can know all the details, but live your life in such a way that you're not what? Looking for him coming back. See, this is the reality. It requires, if I'm going to live my life for the future now, it requires more than just me knowing the facts. It requires me what? Living in such a way that I'm waiting for it to come back. But I'm saying to you right now, that's not true in my life. That's probably not true in a lot of our lives here. We know the facts, but we're not living waiting. 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 In fact, you're going to see several parables in this, in this section where there were people that should have been on guard and ready, and they were found what? Not ready. May that never be true of us. So it requires more from us than knowing the details. It's okay, George. Man, it sounds like a great series. Yeah. It's really a series about you and me and how you're living now. That's really what it's about, folks. He's coming back. Nothing's going to change that. But the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to meet him? That's what the issue is. Are you ready? Let me pray for you.